When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we are back with the Flow Track Podcast. I'm Kevin Sully. Thank you guys for tuning in. Joined by Gordon Back. The question everybody wants to know: Did you survive the hike, Gordon? I did survive the hike. Uh, the the bigger hike though is going to be had to be pushed to today because we messed up our schedules. So it was just a normal hike. But the hike down, mm. I went down two thousand meters in ninety minutes, and I went up. 2,000 meters, in, not meters, feet, 2,000 feet in 90 minutes. And I went up 2,000 feet in like 82 minutes. So okay. a, a negative split the, the uphill. So that's pretty good. A negative split the uphill. Got to take that. I was going to ask, 2,000 meter descent would be pretty intense. But uh, I, I, I never question anything with your physical gifts. There's there's few in the world like you, Gordon, when it comes to endurance athletes. Um, so, the, but the real hike is today. Okay, I thought you were going to do it so yesterday. So, yeah, yeah, we were, but ask scheduling. The real hike's today, but here's the problem now. So, this real hike today is like a bouldering type hike. So you're like on boulders, and it's not safe. Right. Or I guess it's safe, but not safe. It's dangerous. <laughs> they say it's dangerous, but it's raining, and so they mm-hmm. say you're not supposed to do it when it's wet. But this is our last day here, so Gotta we're make still it happen, trying right? to do it. <laughs> so maybe we might get, we might die. So that's the thing. So okay. if there's no podcast tomorrow, you'll know why. That's that's so that's how you know. If I don't log in at like at nine o two a.m., you'll know. Oh, oh, Gordon didn't make it. So. Okay, I'll still do I the maybe, podcast. You should text me. You should text me tonight at like. Eight o'clock or seven o'clock, be like, did, did you make it? Because if I don't respond, there's a chance I didn't make it. All right, I'll, I'll do favorite. that right now. I'll do that. Hey Siri, remind me to text Gordon at eight p.m. Okay, your reminder is set for this evening. Okay, good. All right, we're good. So we're ready to roll. Yeah, and then all if right, not, then call my next of kin. And I just dropped my phone and almost broke it. That would have been a really weird way to break your phone. Oh, I actually did. I that cracked worked. the corner. I cracked the corner of my oh. phone trying to do a goof on a podcast. It's all your I'm fault, sorry. Gordon. Wow. Things can't get worse over here in my house after moving and everything falling apart. Let's start the show, though. D2, D3, fall championships are canceled. D1, we're still waiting for your favorite group of people, those, those board of governors, Gordon. They're good at postponing decisions, but D2 and D3 just went ahead and made the decision anyway. Uh, what was your reaction to those decisions yesterday? I mean, it makes sense that D2 and D3 are not, there's no reward to the risk, right? There is reward in D1, the money, but there's no reward in the D2, D3. So when you when you compare reward risk factor, it's just all risk. So might as well just not take the risk if there's no reward on the other side. And I know the reward technically is, you know, these student athletes, the experience they have. I mean, I'm a D3 athlete, so I would be furious if my season got canceled. However, 
I wouldn't be that furious because I was an 800, 400 meter runner. So cross country getting canceled. It's kind of like, oh, phew. It's kind of nice. You don't have to wake up early <laughs> on a Saturday morning to get like 250th place. You know, it's it's fine. It's okay. Uh, but yeah, you got to feel for these athletes, especially a lot of D3 and D2 athletes. They don't do like the whole like fifth year comeback. You know, a lot of it's like we're here for four years and we're in and out and taking away one basically 25% of your potential out of the, you know, out of consideration for a lot of these top cross country athletes and teams. It sucks. So, I mean, I feel for my, uh, my alma mater, Johns Hopkins. I mean, the women have been dominating, right? They've won six of the past eight and the men, this was the year that the men were like on all cylinders and could have potentially podiumed, maybe not even, maybe even one, which has been wild because I remember when I was there from 2007 or 2006 to 2009 or 2010, we, I mean, we couldn't even like qualify for the, the national meet. Like we maybe had one individual qualifier, like maybe had in two of the four years, that's about it. And now like the women are dominating and the men are getting better. So you got to feel for, you know, this happens a lot, right? It's always like, this is the year. Like, this is the year we're all seniors. This is the year when, like, we're ready to go on all cylinders, and it just gets taken from you. So it sucks. You got to feel for the D2, D3 teams, uh, the coaches, just the whole situation. It sucks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know. There's nothing else to say, right? It's just, it's just a sucky, sucky situation. Yeah, it's something you never anticipate happening a couple months ago. Now – even this summer, people were optimistic of it of it coming back. For Division One, well, for all these divisions, the standard now is fifty percent. If fifty percent or more of the teams in your sport cancel, then they're going to call off the fall championships. So they're not going to make the call themselves. It seems like they're going to wait, right? They're just they're setting another standard where it's just like, okay, well, if so many teams make this decision on their own or so many conferences make this decision on their own, then we are making the decision for you. But it seems after now we're on the third delay that the NCAA doesn't want to actually make that call themselves. They want to leave it up to the conferences and the individual universities. Yeah. And that 50% number, I think in cross country, it's kind of scary. I mean, right now we're at, uh, there have been 26.5% of the women's team have of the women's team have canceled and 27.8% of the men's team. So we're not at 50% there, but we're halfway to that 50% mark. Now, but here's the thing though, a large percent of like cross country teams we don't even know exist, right? Cause like there are a lot of cross country teams that actually compete, but they all don't even bother showing up to regionals, but they technically mm -hmm. are part of the pool of we, are a cross-country school because there are a total of 316 men's programs, 346 women's. So check this out. So take the men. 27.8% have canceled. That's 88 teams out of 316. However, of the top 100 teams, like so if you would take just like, hey, we are – a top 100 program based on where they finished at the regional last year and at nationals, only 16% of the top 100 teams canceled. 
So 27% of all teams canceled, but only 16% of the top 100 teams. And really yeah. only like, what is it? Only two of the top 30 teams have canceled, right? Which is Iona and Harvard. So mm-hmm. there could You're be a situation where all, the, where all the bottom teams, like all the teams from the SWAC and the MEAC and, you know, the Southland Conference and the Ohio Valley Conference, not talking about Eastern Kentucky and, you know. Well, all the, those ones in the Northeast that you've talked about too, right? So all yeah, the, all the ones in the All North- the remaining yeah. ones that, that haven't canceled yet. There's still some in the Northeast up there, right? They could cancel. Yeah. So, like, it's just like if we could still have a good cross-country season if, like, all the best teams are still there. But we could have all these bad teams canceling that can then prevent the good teams from being able to compete, which I could see happening because we're at 27%, you know? We're mm-hmm. only 23% away. Maybe actually 22% yeah. away because it's twenty, basically 28% now. So yeah, uh, it is going to be interesting. I, I'm looking – yeah, what, what were you going to say? I was just going to say I don't think it's going to get to August 21st. I think that deadline is far enough in the future to where they don't need to make a decision. I think it was chosen for that specific reason. Oh, so you think that the conferences are going to pull out and then causing it to get canceled? Yeah, because look, by August 21st, a lot of kids are going to, I mean, classes need to start, right? Um, people coming into door, like they're going to need to make decisions for planning purposes, let alone from a training perspective and meet planning perspective. If you're a cross country program, they're not going to want to wait that long, right? This is this has gone on long enough, I feel like. You heard people say, when are they going to need to make a decision about football for them to have a, uh, a season? Uh, I think beginning of July at the absolute latest. Now we're in the beginning of August and they're saying not the end of August. I think that the whole strategy here is for them not to make the decision. Again, I go back to the winter season and indoors. They waited, they waited, they waited, they waited, they waited. And it wasn't until literally teams are walking out the Albuquerque Convention Center, leaving the venue, that they then decide eh, winter championships are canceled when basically no teams were left. So I think they're going to wait until everybody makes a decision for them. I think that's what this signaled to me when they say August 21st, when they say things like 50%, when they say things like we're still going to honor scholarships, you know, that's still giving a way for them to um, allow athletes to, to, you know, maintain their status at the school, uh, even if there aren't any sports. All those things, I think, lead me to believe that we're going to have a resolution before August 21st, but it's not going to come from up top. So I'm going to do some quick math here. Okay, good. I'll try, I'll try to break my phone some more while I do that. I'll go open the calculator. Oh, okay. So we have a, so I think the reason why they did that 50%, I mean, so the idea of like, uh, you know, how we, we float around with like a power five only championship work, right? There are not enough mm-hmm. Power Five teams to make up more than fifty percent of the total, right? And right, right, right. If a bunch, like I looked at the numbers, if a bunch more of, even if you take Power Five plus Group of Five, so like Power Five plus like Mountain West plus AAC yeah. plus whatever, um, it still won't. It would. It would still not cross the fifty percent threshold. So meaning, if, like I said, the, the big the Atlantic Suns, the Big Souths, the Big Wests, 
the Conference USA's, the Horizon Conference, if they all decide to scrap it, cross country is going to get scrapped itself because they won't be able to hit that 50% threshold. So keeping track of that number up until August 21st will be key. Like I said, we're at 26% for women, 27% for men. It would be wild. What if like only one gender gets it, right? It's like the women are just under 50% and the men are just over 50%. That'd be wild. That's the well, chaos I want, right? Didn't, didn't with this decision, didn't the NCAA is essentially say you can't have power five only championships. They're not going to endorse them. I mean, you could do them and call them something else, but they are not going to endorse them because that would be fewer than 50% yeah. of the team, right? Like, yeah, those, I mean, they basically subtweeted power five. Yeah. I mean, you could like, but here's the thing. Here's the thing though. What if, what if, what if only 40% cancel, right? Only 40% cancel, but then the power five decides to do their own championship. Is that, is that allowed? Because technically the other ones didn't cancel. They just didn't get invited to this championship that they've created. Isn't that in a way what? I mean, what would they do then? Would they say this is the NCAA championships? Would they, this is the Power Five championships? I, I just don't. I don't know what their. I don't know what the end goal here is. I, mean, I don't know why they don't just make a, a decision. How at some many? Point. How many coaches in the Power Five? Like le legitimate coach. By legitimate, I mean coaches that have teams that are good. So like, name the Howard, illegitimate like Mark, coach. Mark Mark Wetmore. You know Andy Powell, uh, Lance Harder. You know all all these top. Those are the legitimate that, ones. Yeah, the legit. You know, you know what I mean. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm saying power five coaches, power five coaches, where they have gotcha. teams that are good that can be top ten. You know. Yes. I How do you think Go they ahead. would feel about competing in a championship without NAU and BYU there, or New Mexico? They 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 know they would be like this isn't real. Right. They're yes, but I think. If the option was that or nothing this year, I think they would say, well, let's compete. Let's just go out there and compete. We'll run some meets. We'll see how it goes. And then we'll cross our fingers and hope that we can do indoor or we can do outdoor or we can do next year's cross-country season. I think they would still I think they would still do it. I don't know what they would call it, and I don't know how they would feel about winning in that type of setting. The meet would still be good. Happen, though BYU and we got to dominate for the next five years because they would just redshirt everyone and be like, "Boom, we're back for an extra year." You know, that's what would happen. Yeah, BYU. Yeah. Oh, we got to know what they should do. Um, this is what if that does happen, you need Ed Eisenstone and Mike Smith to put together their own dual meet. And if, like, if there's gonna be a Power Five championship, they're gonna be like, "Well, we're gonna do the who actually would have won championship and just have a dual meet mm -hmm. between BYU and NAU and have it the same day as the Power Five championship and just see mm -hmm. who would that would be great." And they'll be like. Loser of this dual meet would have got second at NCAs, is what they'll say. <laughs> That's what they should do. Would New Mexico get invited? Could you do like a women's race too? Yeah, uh, but who would New Mexico face? Who's like a? I mean, I guess BYU. BYU and NAU. Yeah. And NAU are good. They're still good. Yeah, still we'll just make it a make yeah try meet. Make it a try meet. Boom. Yeah. Oh. Invite Portland too. That'll be fun. Rob Connors entered live the chat. on flow. Live on flow. This is great. We're doing it. This is gonna be great. I, we'll have a whole little trophy, like the the you know the, the people's champ. Five. We'll call them yeah, the people's champ, yeah. the powerless five. I powerless I'm five. I I'm here for. It. I mean, we got we got some response to the the discussion about if if a power five championship is a power five championship. Someone put up, well, it'd still be a great meet, right? Because Arkansas is good, Stanford's good, Washington, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And Iowa a lot State, of times, yeah, power yeah. five. Yeah, and I'm not disputing that it would be a good meet. I'm just saying 
given the current construct of how NCAA cross country is right now, it would not be a true champion because of the teams that we just mentioned. That's all I'm saying. Would I tune into the meet? Sure. Would I be interested in the results? Absolutely. In the same way I'm interested like in a lot of cross country meets. Exactly. Exactly. I would tune into it the way I tune into other cross country meets where not everybody in the NCAA is present. And maybe if this was the a different decade where there weren't so many prominent non-Power 5 teams, it would be different. And I'd say, yeah, you know what? That, that meet did have the top 10 teams. But in no way, shape, or form would that be the case in 2020. We know enough about the 2020 teams to know that non-Power 5 teams would perform very well. Did you drop your phone now too? What's going on down there? Uh, you okay. don't want to know. It's fine. Okay. Did you so get you a text? just don't need to know. No, I didn't get a text. No. It has nothing to do with technology. It's fine. Okay. I, 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 it has to do with my knee, so it's fine. It's fine. Uh-oh. Did you tear your meniscus while podcasting? Um, okay. So TBD, I tell you, though, know, hiking the, the number... my knees and hiking is not good. It's not good for my knees. <laughs> well, don't – because you went down 2,000 feet. So that's the – here's the thing. When you get old, the downhills really start to wreak havoc on you. You got to avoid yeah. the downhills. That's that's my advice, um, which means you kind of got to either avoid the uphills or get airlifted <laughs> down, one of the two. <laughs> All right. 50% is what you're saying. Keep an eye on 50% between now and August 21st. I just I think we're going to see something between today and tomorrow. We're going to see another move here. And I don't know. I don't think it's going to be necessarily all the way to Division One canceling non-football fall championships, but we could maybe see another UConn-type move where uh, an FBS team decides not to do any sports at all for the duration of the year. I think that's what that's No one wants to say it, is. though. But, like, UConn pulled out because they had no one to, to play against because they were an independent school. So, like, I know that's, like, a big deal. Oh, first FB, FBS school to pull out. It's like, well, they pulled out because they weren't invited in a weird way. You know what I mean? Like, if all the schools are conference only – and they didn't really have anyone to play, it kind of made – it was just like a loss-loss. It was like, all right, why are we even doing this? I think that was a bigger reason why they pulled out than health. I mean, health is always a factor, but the press release is going to say health, 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 but internally it's like we have no one to play. Well, don't you th they could have scheduled people. Like all these other teams that have holes in their schedule, don't they? Yeah, they have holes in their schedule, but all their holes in their schedule are probably in the same three-week period. Yeah, I just I think they could have made it. I think they could have made it work if they wanted to, but I think what you mentioned earlier is true. It comes back to just a cost benefit analysis of it, and they ultimately weighed it and said it didn't. It it wasn't worth it yeah. because they're probably like are, we could have a schedule of Alabama, Clemson, Texas, Penn State, Ohio State, just play all the power the big teams because they all need that money. Extra... <laughs> Go zero and ten, well, but then make like ten million dollars. BYU BYU is an independent. And I know, right as of now, Alabama is has scheduled them or wants to schedule them, um, if if they're allowed to. But like, yeah, BYU's in a tough spot. Notre Dame got adopted by the ACC, but Notre Dame is a bit more prominent in football than UConn. Yeah, and like, yeah. Sorry. No, keep going. So tell me more. D two, D three, can't no. Well, do you, I mean, do you have, a, I feel like, again, Twilight Zone, man. I feel like we talk about this all the time. At least we have some definite in the D2, D3 landscape getting canceled. Uh, oh, one thing I noticed, though, kind of 
going under the radar is a lot of these conferences have kind of like laid out their protocol rules for how they're going to deal with COVID. And it does not seem like it's going like, it just doesn't seem like your top seven are going to stay your top seven. And that like, there's so many opportunities for your top seven to not be your top seven with like the testing needs. And like, you need to have like two on two negative tests before every away game. And it's like, well, cross country's like, all right, you gotta have two, you know, it's just like, it's not gonna, Yeah, I just don't see it working. I think there's going to be like, yeah. If you've shown any rules, signs of stim- are you talking about rules put in place by the conference or by, by the conference? Like I looked okay, up ACC's okay. rules, and it just—I just couldn't see a cross-country team being able to pass all that in a cross-country season. Yeah, like it's well, more designed other... for like a football season. You know. Yeah. Oh, be- yeah, yeah. Well, and that's the other way this gets canceled without someone having directly saying it is canceled. You put in these rules and regulations that are really difficult to follow. And then a school yeah. says, listen, I don't think we can follow these in in a financially responsible manner, or I don't think yeah. we could follow these just in a logistics, from a, from a logistics perspective. Um, a, what, one other point I want to make on D2, D3, in both of the releases, they mentioned they explored the option of spring, but they determined that that was not possible to go ahead. Because I know we heard about that before with the shifting potentially the football season to the spring and the fall sports to the spring. We spent time on this podcast talking about indoors being at the same time or cross country being at the same time as indoors or cross country being at the same time as outdoors in the spring. But at least for D2 and D3, they ran the numbers and decided that was not, that was not worth it. And I think part of it is because they said in one of the releases, they essentially said, well, but they got their championship last year and winter and spring didn't. So we're really working hard to get, make sure winter and spring get their championship. So the priority, okay, if you got screwed over last year, we want to make sure you get one championship. And if you had yours last year, it's you got it, you got the short straw this time. But I thought it was interesting that they said that they looked at spring and it just it was a no go. Yeah. Do you think uh not to get I mean, I just don't see how we're gonna be in any different environment in January. Like we're not. Like just because the, the date, just the date, the, just because the last number of the year goes from a zero to a one doesn't mean the virus disappears. Like this is not how it works, right? So everyone, like, well, that's probably what they were looking at. That's probably what they. That's probably think, what they factored into them saying that they're not going to do spring. Is because they're like, there's no guarantee it's going to be better in the spring. And even if it is better, we need to be able to have money to put on the sports, and we need to have personnel, trainers, all sorts of people uh, accessible, and they can't be spread between. 10 sports. We need them focused on a couple sports. Yeah. I don't think anyone, you, you always bring this up. I don't think anybody is arguing that it's going to be magically better. All they know is that it's not good now. So they're not saying, yeah. Hey, we are mandated to play in the spring. They're just saying, Hey, right now it doesn't work. It's just like when you, you know, I invite you to go out and get a drink and you're like, Oh, I'm busy tonight. How about next week? It's not a guarantee that next week you're not going to be busy and you're going to stand me up again. Like you do all the time. It's just that uh, it's a possibility, you know? Well, I'm, I think it's because all the headlines say delay, postpone, delay, postpone, delay, postpone. I'm like, that's implying well, that's you're better. delaying to a better date. And it's like, you don't know that date's better. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. 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 Well, and that's PR, right? 
that's with all these major road races and stuff, right? It's been postponed to 2021. No, you canceled it, right? Starting with the very first one. Remember World Indoors? Remember that meet way back in in March? And they're like, we're postponing this. And I'm like, okay, when are they postponing it? To 20, to, they're going to move the meet to 2021. I said, well, that's more than a year away. We would call that a, a cancellation. And they use the word cancellation with UConn. They use the word cancellation with D3 and with and with D2 because they have no intention of trying to make up the season any other time. Um, but I, I think that's that's public relations. That's trying to put a positive spin on it of, hey, we'll, we'll get it back at some point. If I mean, the Olympics the were postponed, right? The, the, the 2020 Olympics were posted, postponed to 2021 and they'll be still called the 2020 Olympics, right? If you're the best Division three runner in the nation or the best Division two runner in the nation, distance runner, do you enter the portal to try to transfer a D1 school? Now, no. I don't know why you would. If you find out that – is there a deadline for portal transferring? Is there like a – like, I, I, I don't know. My sources like, could, in the could you, are bleak or few and far between nowadays. If you, but Okay, if you – if you if you know for sure that there is going to be a Division One championship, and you're mm -hmm. the best D two or best D three athlete, do you transfer to get a season in? Because to have competition, like you're not going to have competition, you have nothing, right? You just like you can be sitting on your butt. You said like, just you, you said if you're guaranteed a season with D one, yeah. But what <laughs> you're not guaranteed a season with D one, no. That's well, if you, Power Five, you might be guaranteed, right? Because you're like, hey, they're gonna they're gonna do it no matter what, right? I think you just train. If you're a senior, you're just you're training really hard, and you're if you're really really good, you're trying to get a contract. That's the that's the end goal here, right? Anyway, and you can luckily distance running at least, and and even sprinting, you can do a lot of that on your own. You can enter meets when they're available. I just upending your whole life to 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 move to maybe get one season. That seems stiff. Plus, if you're at a school like Johns Hopkins, I mean. Nothing replaces that degree. You could end up as a content person on FlowTrack with a John Hopkins degree for several yeah, I'm years. I'm really marketing that degree well, you know, my, my life choices. <laughs> you know what would be kind of cool? Maybe we should do this. We need Tell to find we out. We, we need to take the top seven D2 runners and D3 runners each and give them invites to create an all-star D2 and all-star D3 team and a race in the Power 5 championship. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't that be fun? I thought you were say take top seven D2, D3 runners, put them in a house, turn on the cameras, and things would get real. And stop being polite. <laughs> yeah, as narrated by Lincoln Shrike. Uh, I no, feel it's weird. Cool. Yeah, we should say. We should how, do you think the a D2, how do you think a D2 all-star team would and a D3 all-star team would do in a Power 5 only championship? Would they finish top 10? A D2 uh, all-star team? Would they finish D2 also team definitely finish top 10 for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. Would D3, D3 would probably be. I don't, see, you need Lincoln on right now. And by, speaking of Lincoln, by the way, congrats to him and, and his family, birth of their it's official? Uh, child. Yeah, yesterday. Um, Boy or girl? Congrats to Lincoln. Health and, so health wait, and happiness. He had a, a child girl. the day they canceled. He had a child the day they canceled D3 and D2 sports. <laughs> yeah, that's why I thought it was crazy. Like it was a weird. I texted him to our group chat. Sorry, Lincoln, and I don't know if he meant. It was, was kind of on bad too. timing thought, on my part. I was like, "Sorry, like you had a kid. Sorry." 
no, 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 no. Okay, so he he te- hold on. He texted me on hold on, hold up. He texted me. Okay, yesterday he texted me that the baby was born last night. So that would have been two days ago. So the baby was born uh, on the 4th, the evening of the 4th. And I texted a random, I'm sorry to the group chat yesterday. So that's a full day later. I think I'm in the clear, right? I think it was clear what I was talking about. He's the D2, D3 guy. That's why I did it. If those of you who don't don't understand my my terrible sense of timing. and I was a little bit confused. I thought it was like, did something happen? I was a little bit confused. You didn't but, immediately go to flow track and realize that I was talking about. No, no I was on a mountain. I was on a mountain. There's like six. There's like six people in the world who know more about D two and D three than Lincoln. So that's why I said I'm sorry, man. Like that's that sucks. Like that was a beat he was on and covering. Uh, but well, also, never, he always remember the day. <laughs> yes, exactly. You know, how people remember, remember the day, day music died. He's gonna remember the day D two D three died. It's the day after yeah, his, the birth of his daughter. His, it's August, a girl, uh, right? August. Yes, August 4th, August 5th. So, Ollie Shrike, welcome to the world. Uh, on the topic of Ollie's, though, Oliver Hoare announced yesterday he signed with On Running, training with Look at that Joe Klecker in Colorado. I'm, I'm a professional. When I'm not dropping expensive electronics, I'm pretty good at this. We saw them run 356 and 358 miles. That is Hoare and Klecker, respectively. But he's joining that group with, with Dathan Ritzenheim that is – Growing quickly. The interesting thing to me, Gordon, with this is just how how big this group is starting, how bold this group is starting. A lot of the other groups that we've seen in the United States, it starts with two people, three people, and then they trickle up. This one is starting with a with a splash, a, a big investment, some big names from the NCAA, and obviously a a very high profile runner turned coach in his first full time gig as a as a coach and. I'm, I'm interested to see how Ritz does as a coach almost as much as I'm interested to see how, how these athletes progress because they're all good, all these athletes that are in this group. Obviously, Klecker, Hoare, we know how accomplished they are. But they're not, they're not sure things. They're not sure things as, as pros. So we're going to be able to judge um, his, his coaching acumen quite, quite quickly here. Well, they're almost like they're, they have blank resumes. I mean, because – Everything is thrown out once you hit the the post collegiate world. I mean, yes, Oliver Hoare has some NCAA titles. Uh, Joe Klecker has some fast times and some All American finishes. But you know, are you going to take a like what what? what they're, 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 it's not proven. They're not like already like two to three year established pros. And it's kind of crazy to start in a, a pro group with clear with zero pro experience, except for obviously the coach. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of interesting, yeah. right? Normally, you put a pro group together by like getting someone who's like, "I'm leaving Nike and I'm joining here," you know, or "I'm leaving here and coming here." Uh, but to start it all with fresh college kids is kind of a unique uh, direction, I would say. Because mm-hmm. well, there's going to be no one on the team who, no, no one on the team is going to be like, "Oh, this is what it's like to run at USA Trials and stuff like that." Yeah. Well, I'm looking at the last. The couple of groups that I can think of, Joe Boshard's group came to it with not a bunch of experience. And then, of course, Danny Mackey, when he started Brooks Beast, his goal all along was to coach in college and applied to over 200 college coaching positions. You know, he he worked in, you know, um, hey, in sports, sports science. Well, Boshard did, but Boshard himself. 
he started coaching Emma Coburn and then they added like person by person. He had yeah, established Emma Coburn wasn't saying, right out of Colorado. She was like an established in like, no, I'm saying, I'm saying the coach talent. themselves though. I'm saying the coach themselves, oh, like the okay. coach okay. didn't come. The coach didn't come with a whole bunch of experience with, with both Mackie and, and Boshard, as opposed to someone like Jerry Schumacher, who was coaching at the collegiate uh, level for a bunch of years, goes to Nike, brings over from some guys from Wisconsin, and then it builds and builds from from there. That's that's the comparison I was making. But you're right. The type of athlete is interesting too. Of they're all they're all new pros. It's all fresh for everybody. Yeah. Where are they? Where are they training? Colorado. Yeah. Yeah. Boulder. Are so they, hopefully there's enough are, tracks for them in the box. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Like you got the, the Colorado Buffaloes, you got the you have you have Jenny Simpson, you have the Bossard group, now you have this group. It's is there enough real estate for them? Are they be able is it well, the town big enough for the, all three of them? In the in the nineties, Boulder was the place. That's like where you heard that's kind of how Flagstaff is now in terms of people going to train, at least from the outside. Like that was the one city that I knew about growing up and I was first getting into distance running and learning as much as I could about it. I was like, Oh, there's this place called Boulder. It's like where all the fast people train and people come from all over the world. And there's these, these training groups and like the altitude makes you super fast. There was a mythology around it. And I think some of that drifted away when people moved away for a variety of reasons. I don't know why I, I guess now it's making a bit of a, a bit of a comeback with all these groups being located there. The university being really good in distance running doesn't hurt, but yeah, Boulder's uh, Boulder's a place to be again. I want to know what the dynamic is going to be be between Oliver Hoare of On Running with Morgan McDonald with the Bossard Group, right? You mm. have that dynamic, and then you have the dynamic of Joe Klecker on running with Danny Jones, the Bossard Group. You know, it's like a little bit of a where we were teammates here. for four to five years, and now we're. We're rivals, not that they're real rivals, but you know, it's kind of it's kind of interesting that the two like when you think of Wisconsin running the past like four years, it was you know McDonald was the five k guy, Hor was the miler, and they were just like neck and neck with each other in workouts. They always go one two in races, and now they're both in the same location, but two different groups. Kind of interesting. Yeah, and it's a little bit easier to make an Australian team, but not that much easier. They're still, they're still pretty good. Like Stuart McSwain, McDonald, et cetera, et cetera. They got, they got a lot of talent in Australia too. But Klecker, Klecker is going to have a tough, a tough task trying to get on a, trying to get on a team. I think almost the ten thousand. Like if he moves to the ten, that might be, that might be better. Just because there's, if Chalimo doesn't run the ten, there's a little bit more space there in the future. I think there's not a, well, he, a clear number one. But I mean, right now the men's five k. It's like deep, but not deep at the same time. Because I also feel like everyone is kind of equal. I don't see a, a like a true top three, you know. And I just think that as time goes on, I mean, Lopez Among is getting old, right? I, Lopez Among, I mean, I might bite my words, but he's not going to be top three in twenty twenty four, right? Like he's not, right? Or is he? Is he going to be able to keep this going for another four years? Four years would be a long time, but I. But but who do you feel better about as a number one, Chalima on the five or Lamong in the ten? You feel better about Chalima on the five, right? 
So that's yeah. why that's why I think I think a ten, and then you have people like Leonard Career, who's also doing the marathon, not a full time ten thousand meter person. But he's back at the I, ten now. I think he didn't make the marathon. Right. I but I'm just saying. I think I think a, a ten, neither team is easy to make, but I think the ten for the U.S. men would be easier than the five in 2021. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, but I feel like the 2021 10. Well. The 21, I would say the 2021 10 team is Lopez, Shadrach, and Career, right? Those are your that, those would be the favorites. Those would be the favorites, yeah. But so that again, is that harder to crack than uh, Lopez, Chalimo, Hassan Mead? Well, it's just the depth. It's just the depth. Because yeah. then you got to think about like Jenkins, and then you have to think about Woody Kincaid and. Fisher and McGordy, who've run thirteen eleven this summer, Ryan Hill, maybe he's got another run in him. There's just there's more people there. I think in the ten, I I think those three would be the favorite. But if anything happens to them, um, there's there's a bit of a drop off. I just think the ten is always. I think the ten, yes, on on world championship years, but I feel like the ten during Olympic years, everyone does it right. Like Hassan Mead will probably be due to ten, right, and then. Ben Chu yep. will probably do it. You know, me saw what's his name did Lagat did it. Eric Jenkins, oh, yeah, Eric Jenkins will do the ten. Like they're all going to do the ten. Like everyone's going to be like, we need two shots at it, right? So yeah, yeah. they're all going to do it, just, and then yeah. they realize they're in fifth place with two laps to go and can't catch, and they drop out, right? So that's what they all did, right? They all like dropped out because of the heat. Oh man, that was the wildest race. That was like one of the wildest track races I've ever seen. That was so weird. Everybody jumping out. Hassan Mead took off his, I think it was either his sunglasses or his hat, threw him on the ground right in front of the main grandstand. I was like, what in the world is going on right now? You could not tell. It was like a high school race because there was so much lapping going on and everybody was at all places on the track. It was, uh, yeah, it was a it was a hot mess. And the fact that Lagat came back from that and then qualified at the end of the meet was remarkable because I was like, okay, he's this is it. He's done. This is He may not even show up for the 5,000 and he freaking came back and won it. That's just sensational. Um, yeah, I, yes, you're right. Every, I guess we're – there's no point in arguing this or debating it because everybody's <laughs> probably – if you're going to run the five, you're going to run the ten, right, for the most part? Yeah. There's just no, there's no reason yeah. why you wouldn't do it. Um, be, double, your, du, double your chances with the exception, I think, of someone like Chalimo who would go in or Kincaid who would go in confident uh, that they could make the 5,000-meter team. Here's a, here's a thought. Uh, on runnings investment, right? They are a Swiss company, so I always think. I mean, maybe this is American bias, but you know, like Bowerman Track Club, it's like all. It's not all. It's mainly Americans, but like the foundation is based around like the. Basically, what I'm trying to say is like American distance running is maybe more easier to sell and sexier than one-off international athletes. Would you disagree or agree, right? Because as good as someone like a Morgan McDonald is or Mohamed is, if an American does what they do, it gets bigger headlines. You know what I mean? That makes sense? Well, yeah. It's. I think it's about visibility, though, also. Like when Shelby and like Mo a- ran, the same, ran both great times, I feel like, People were more drawn to Shelby's mark than Moe's mark, even though you could maybe say in maybe the, Moe's mark was better. You talking about in the United States? Yeah, or in the, the United world. States. Because, well, United well, States. There's a couple things. There's a couple things to factor in, right? Yeah, we're looking at it from the U.S. perspective. 
maybe they're trying to capture a different audience or a larger audience where, yeah, having someone be the best in the world. I mean, people are pretty into, Mo I think if you're good enough, it doesn't matter because people are pretty into what Mo Farah was doing when it came to NLP. Yeah. Even though he or was Stephane British. Hassan. Yeah. Yeah. Two, I think that the second most high profile meet in the year is the Olympic trials in the United States. So you want the visibility of them there. And also that's when you can still wear your, your brand. You know, once you go to the Olympics, you're in the Nike kit. So having somebody competing in the Olympic trials, wearing that gear is valuable to a, to a company and international athletes obviously aren't running in that meet they're running in their biggest, probably a chance to get on TV would be pre-classic before the Olympics. That would be the biggest uh, event, non yeah. I'm not counting road, road races for this. Um, but the pre-classic that pales in comparison in terms of interest to the Olympic trials. So that, that I think that's what you're, when you're trying, when you're investing in an athlete in, you know, in an Olympic cycle, like you're, you're probably honing in on, on a couple key meets. Um, and in the United States, one of those meets would be, would be the trials. Yeah. But like if Mohamed like... starts winning gold medals, if, if like Ahmed or whatever starts winning gold medals or Joe Klecker or not Joe Klecker, if Oliver Horst starts winning gold medals, I don't think it matters. Doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. Cause then you're, but the, the question is like, not everyone's going to win gold medals though. Right. Like most of the athletes you sponsor aren't going to go on to be all time greats. Like yeah. most athletes careers at best are going to be like, Hey, you made two to three world teams and you might've gotten, you might've got one bronze, but the rest of them you're getting like fifth to 12th, whatever. That's like mm -hmm. a great career. So, you know, I just think, uh, I mean, I think it is a struggle that a lot of the international athletes have to do because they're, they're raised into the U S NCA system. So they kind of get a little bit of notoriety, no, Notoriety? No. Oh my God. Notoriety. You know what I'm trying to say. Notoriety. Notoriety. Okay. I'm not even say it. Uh, in the U.S., so like Americans start knowing who Oliver Hor is. They know who Edward Cheserek is. They know who Morgan McDonald is or Pat Tiernan. But then I feel like once they cross into yeah. the 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 pro world, their fame kind of dwindles a bit because yeah, yeah, people. Yeah are more keeping track of who's the best three Americans in, in the event that they compete in. I think that's yeah. fair. I think, I think that's fair from like a fan perspective. Yeah. It's like you associated Pat Tiernan with Villanova. So then once he stops racing for Villanova and he's racing for Australia and you don't see him as much, and then you don't see him winning as much either because he's running against harder competition. So he's just not going to win as much. They're not in the headlines anymore. Yeah. And same thing with Morgan McDonald. The same thing with Morgan McDonald, right? Like wins and wins and wins at Wisconsin. Uh, runs, I mean, he ran fine in Doha, but there's 10 other stories that are bigger than that. I just think people are drawn to whoever's the best. And then whenever you, even if you're talking about high school, you're talking about college, whatever level you're looking at, people are drawn to the best. And if you stay the best, none, none, of, it, none, none of it matters. But when you are then all of a sudden the sixth best person in, in the pros, it didn't really matter what you did in the NCAAs anymore. I mean, I don't know. I just, I just remember being in Doha and like, oh yeah, Morgan McDonald's in this 5K. It wasn't even a, it wasn't even front of mind thought, and it wasn't to be dismissive of it. But it's just like this is a bigger stage. This isn't Nutty Comb. This isn't NCAA Cross. 
look at all these other big names that are in this race. Email the pod, full check, <laughs> podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. I got a question for Alon, our producer. Alon, are you there? Alon, can you hear us? Yes. Can, 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 can the people hear? Uh, do you know any place that will fix iPhones for cheap? Do you happen to know that? Uh, do you know a guy? Nope. You're on your own for that one. Although I'm pretty sure if you drive up 35 here in Austin, you're going to find any cell phone repair shop, though I don't know if they're open or not, but you know. How bad is it? I know there's a camera. It's just the bottom corner right there. Ooh, yeah. I'm sorry. I'll, I can live with it. I dropped it once. So one time I was at a, a high school graduation and I dropped it and it was like the entire thing. And I know there's like legitimate places that'll do it. Like there's, there's name brand cell phone repair places that'll do it. But there's also just like the guy. Like, you know, I, I want to find the guy. That's who I want to find because – I will say this. A little short I, on cash this month. Well, I did have I did have a broken phone uh, that I okay, took to happened? I took to like a Walmart. Uh, they have like the little cell phone repair shop on a Walmart. Dude fixed it up for like two hundred bucks, and it like the phone was pretty fucked up, and he fixed it up, and it was pretty solid. So it still works today. Okay, I might need to find that guy. Our producer also, dropping Alon, an f bomb on the podcast. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, getting us an explicit tag right here in the last couple minutes. Apologize, to anybody who's listening in the car with kids. <laughs> Um, and it's not just Gordon. You have to worry about. It's what you get for getting me on here. This is your fault, not mine. <laughs> I apologize. Uh, no, I, well, well done, Alon. We'll have to have him back on. Um, okay, any any last thoughts here, Gordon? I'm looking up. Do oh, check this out. NCAA will establish a phone number and email to allow college athletes, parents, and or others to report alleged failures of following COVID protocols. Ooh. Yeah, that was yesterday. What team is the most likely to rat out another team? That's the question. Well, this is why they're not going to want to bring teams together because they're just going to report on everybody. People will be me, like sneaking on. into other teams' tents. <laughs> they're not social distancing. One, I want to read one email before we go because you talked about uh, Christmas tree spikes before we got an email from uh, George. It says, Dear Gordon, I'm so disappointed at you for sharing with the Flowtrack audience that Christmas tree spikes are illegal and not allowed to be used anywhere. Shame, shame, shame. Just to point out one example, the Armory Track Spike policy below clearly states Christmas tree spikes are allowed. In addition, in addition, Christmas tree spikes are recommended on Super X and Mondo Track surfaces. See Bolton below. Keep up the good work. Damn. I just got owned. Exposed. Wow. No, no. So Gordon's it? like, no. No track allows Christmas tree spikes except the most famous indoor track in the country. But other than that, no one okay, allows then it. Maybe it's needle spikes I was thinking of. Maybe it's needle. Get maybe. There's like three different yeah. types. There's the normal, there's like the cone, there's Christmas tree, and then there's needle. Maybe it's the needle ones that are illegal everywhere. Well, Stop I'm making needle spike spikes. Policy. That's what I meant to say. Stop making needle spikes. Well, I'm looking at this armory spike policy. Uh, only acceptable ones are one-fourth inch pyramid spikes or one-fourth inch Christmas tree. No pin and needle spikes allowed. There. Right, now I'm looking at the Mondo ones. Yeah, ne needle spikes are not allowed uh, on either of these bulletins. So, so then why do they make you needle for spikes? The... Also, why do well, they make spikes that's a, that are that's a, dirt, that's, a dirt, that, that's a dirt spike thing. A dirt track thing, I think. Oh. Needle spikes are someone Someone who's from a previous, previous generation – than me can write in, but I, I believe needle spikes are uh, a relic of that era, and they still make them because there are still dirt tracks out there, so got especially there, outside the United that, States. Got, 
someone got Prefontaine's old spikes and laced them up in a high school dual meet. Is that what's happening? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, I appreciate the email because I, I don't do want to be alone in telling, telling Gordon he's an idiot. So that's good. All right. <laughs> uh, for the explicit Elon, thank you for producing. And for my co-host, Gordon Mack, thanks everyone for tuning in. Flowcheckpodcast at gmail.com. Please go out and rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Also, you can find it on Spotify and Google Podcasts. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.